Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop, over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com, 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters radio show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email MyViewMatters at AOL.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, yes, welcome once again to the Ed Springston Show, brought to you by the MVM Radio Network, home of edspringston.com. You can go for stories, podcasts, whatever we've got up at the moment. While you are at edspringston.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll send you updates on a weekly or monthly basis, your choice. Secondly, please join the RSS feed. We've got tens of thousands of you guys who have our podcast delivered direct to your inbox, so we'd like to get the rest of you. So please join the RSS feed, and we'll make it easy for you to make sure you miss no shows. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, there is a donate button at edspringster.com. That helps us pay for the overhead for the show and different things that we have to do to stay in business. Meantime, call-in numbers as always, 858-683-1326. Um, the live chat is now open. You can join us in there. 
And if you want, you can actually uh, to email me, or I'm sorry, instant message me, if you will, on Facebook at Ed's French for any comments or anything else we've got going. Brand new week, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I'm not sure where Mr. Martin is at this moment. I'm assuming he will join us momentarily. Sometimes he catches in a little bit late running that business that Barack Obama built for him. You know how that goes. And uh, so anyway, we're just really going to get started. A lot going on in Kentucky and everything else right now. Uh, a couple of big things. We'll get into the uh, some federal issues here in a little bit. You know, I know everybody wants to talk about the federal employees going back to work and Donald Trump and the State of the Union and all the other stuff going on. But I tell you, we've got a couple of interesting things going on here in our, in our state um, elections. One of those, of course, to me, one of the biggest is Governor Matt Bevin has filed to run for re-election, but he has decided to drop Janine Hampton as his lieutenant governor. So he is now running uh, for re-election to governor of Kentucky with his new running bait, his new running mate. I say bait for a reason. You'll find out in a minute. His new running mate, Ralph Alvarado, out of Winchester. Alvarado, of course, is a state senator right now. Um, he's a doctor. Um, he works at almost half a dozen nursing homes. I mean, he does all kinds of things. But he's also on the board and everything else for a bunch of different nursing homes. And the nursing homes that he's involved in are what's considered substandard. I'm trying to figure out why Matt Bevan would drop someone the caliber of Janine Hampton to bring in State Senator Ralph Alvarado. Now, I don't know if this has something to do with trying to play games with, with Medicare and all the other stuff that he's been accused of. I really don't. Uh, but I find it interesting that he would bring in a so-called doctor. And, I mean, Alvarado's a doctor. I shouldn't say so-called, I guess. But this guy has a history of trying to protect the nursing home industry uh, from lawsuits and everything else. Uh, as we know, the Kentucky General Assembly has tried to use tort reform, um, you know, to curb any litigation against nursing homes. We also know that nursing homes are some of the worst care, at least in Kentucky. I don't know how it is across the nation, but I typically hear the same stories, that nursing homes are some of the worst care um, that we have, you know. And almost a half a dozen nursing homes that he's responsible for are, are the most substandard throughout the state. And this guy is screaming for tort reform and trying to protect all of these people. I mean, this is where the medical review panels came from. Uh, you know, in 2017, they passed a law requiring all malpractice suits to go through medical review panels that supposedly are composed of doctors that are going to decide their merit, et cetera. We do have a constitutional challenge going on right now with that. Uh, you know, we know this. Uh, but as of right now, uh, it is technically the law, uh, you know, barring anything overturned through the constitutional challenge. Alvarado went on to establish this is going to get rid of frivolous lawsuits. You know, this isn't going to do anything for frivolous lawsuits. This is just another way to try to protect uh, poor physicians and poor quality nursing homes and things like that from being held accountable. You know, truthfully, um, in the state of Kentucky, you know, and I know McAdam listens to this show. Maybe he'll weigh in in a minute and correct me if I'm wrong. But in the state of Kentucky, you're not required to go through a medical review panel. You have the right to a judge and jury in all cases. So, you know, I, I think this is a conflict anyway. 
But this is what they're trying to do. They want to get rid of these so-called frivolous lawsuits. Now, I understand. Believe me, I do. I gripe all the time about how screwed up the system is because it takes forever to get anything through it. You know, we know this, okay? But at the same time, um, you know, the, the medical review panel wouldn't be necessary if, if doctors and, and staff were doing their job appropriately. I get that it's a tough job. You know, I get what I get. It's a tough job. I've had a couple of elderly family members who were put in nursing homes, and believe me, they're a handful. They really, really are. But at the same time, at the same time, though, they're entitled to decent care. So Alvarado has been leading the way to try to stop all the lawsuits for malpractice to protect, in my opinion, his own interests with his nursing homes. You know, again, there's a constitutional challenge, but I, I don't think that uh, the Medical Review Board will hold up. Again, once in Kentucky, you have the right to a jury of your peers. So I don't know how they got this through, but this is the way it is. You know, and the other part of this is, you know, they try to pretend like this is going to make it easier for everybody. There's no doubt that litigation is expensive. A lot of lawyers joke, you know, that their clients deserve all the law, you know, the, the best the best representation that they can get until the checkbook is empty, right? Uh, you know, but it is a joke. Litigation is expensive. It's not easy, um, especially if you're doing it by yourself. You know, but in a lot of cases, especially on medical malpractice, these attorneys are typically working on contingency. And in most of those, I would dare say, I guess McAdam can correct me if I'm wrong if he wants to, but in most of those, I dare say, they're operating on a contingency. You know, which means they're paying all the costs out of their pocket with no guarantee of when. So you're not, you're, you're not putting, in, in, in most of these cases, you're not putting an undue burden, financial burden, typically, on a plaintiff. You're putting a, a large burden on the attorney who has chosen to represent this plaintiff on a contingency basis. And a contingency essentially means that the attorney is going to bear all costs uh, for a split of the pie, typically a third to 40%. You know, So what they're basically doing right now, in my opinion, with, with the nursing homes and medical malpractice stuff is the same crap they pulled with Workers' Comp in Kentucky. You know, Workers' Comp protects the employer from, from their own wrongdoing. It doesn't do squat for the employee. Uh, you know, the employees are limited on all kinds of stuff. So, you know, all these things happen. Um, you know, that's the problem I've got with this. So why would Matt Bevan, I know that's kind of a long explanation, folks, but why would Matt Bevan decide to get rid of someone, the caliber of Janine Hampton, to bring in this doctor, Alvarado? Especially since this doctor... And, you know, again, you know, his nursing homes are, are, are rated as below average or much below average through the U.S. Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services based on their inspections. And Matt Bevin is going after Medicaid and Medicare. I think there's something here that doesn't exactly meet the smell test. It doesn't pass the smell test, and I don't like what um, basically is, is being projected out there. Whether right or wrong, whether it's just me, you know, playing the conspiracy game, you know, I get accused of that sometimes. I get it. 
by replacing Janine Hampton with Alvarado, who, who apparently, based on public information that I can read, um, you know, doesn't do a good job in, in the healthcare business that he's responsible for now. You know, again, below average, much below average, substandard. Those are the things going around about his, you know, nursing homes. Uh, Mayfair Manor, Cambridge Place, Providence Pine Meadows, Fountain Circle Care and Rehab, and Diversity Care in Nicholasville. These are all the things that have been graded by Medicare and Medicaid services. And Matt Bevin's going after Medicare and Medicaid. This is disturbing. It really, really is. And I think that this is going to hurt Matt Bevin and the gubernatorial election. Um, I really, really do. I'd be interested to see what you guys think about that, because I don't see how this can be a positive for him. I really, really don't. I think it's going to energize the Democratic base. The only thing that Matt Bevin's got going for him right now is Adam Edelin, Andy Bashir, and the other Democrats are going to tear each other apart, especially Edelin and Bashir. Edelin and Bashir aren't exactly well-respected throughout the state anyway, outside of the party faithful. Um, you know, they're both Steve Bashir light. They're both from his fucking uh, generation of politics, I guess. You know, all these things add up. Um, you know, so we have to start looking at this and paying attention. So I think this is going to get deeper as we go along. Another thing that I'm questioning right now about the Republicans in this election, I have to look at uh, the Attorney General's race. And here's why. We know that Greg Stumble has announced that he's going to go ahead and run for Attorney General, although as of Friday I didn't see anything where he had actually officially signed the paperwork yet. Uh, that may have changed. I uh, don't know. So you get a chance to check today. But he, he went out a month ago and told everybody he was going to go ahead and run for Attorney General. But on the Republican side, we had Whitney Westerfield. Whitney Westerfield, um, you know, put up a hell of a fight, if you will, against Andy Bashir last, last election. Uh, I mean, he really, really did. He put up a hell of a fight. Quite frankly, we talked about him not too long ago, and I expected him to run again. I expected him to probably win. Whitney Westerfield is, is a pretty good guy. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, on Friday, uh, you know, everything is always a Friday news dump, right? All of a sudden on Friday, Wister, Wister, duh, excuse me, uh, Westerfield decided he was going to drop out of the race. With no advance notice or anything else, he suddenly pulled out of the race for attorney general after just by the narrowest of margins losing to Andy Bashir last election. Andy Bashir's not running the but he's running for governor. Um... All of a sudden, you know, one of one of Whitney's colleagues, Will Schroeder, decided to file for the seat. Uh, but according to Westerfield, it was hard. Uh, says he was overwhelmed by the support he's received. But hopefully this decision will give another qualified candidate the opportunity to run their campaign as it should be run. Kentucky desperately needs an attorney general that has a necessary experience to carry out the duties of the office and the integrity to do so without a political agenda. Um, you know, now here's, here, here's the deal. According to reports, he had only raised about 300, or I'm sorry, about $800 in the final three months of 2018. 
He only had about 24000 almost 25000 cash on hand. It's not any money to run that kind of a race on, folks, I tell you. What, what really shocked me about this was because of the fact that he almost, I mean, he was within a hair, a breath, if you will, of beating Andy Bashir the last time, and Andy Bashir's not in this race, that he couldn't get any money. He clearly was what was probably the best Republican to take on that job at this time, the one with the best shot. But he couldn't raise any money. Why do we think that is? Why do we think that is? Well, I'll tell you why it is. You're going to love this. I have repeatedly spoken about the Jefferson County GOP for years, about how they don't care about any other Republicans in this state except Mitch McConnell. And I think we just proved it again, because one of the reasons I think Westerfield can't get any money is because of Mitch McConnell, and here's why. Former McConnell lawyer Daniel Cameron, he's from Louisville, he's a former UofL football player and a former lawyer for Mitch McConnell, filed for the seat just a couple of days, a few days before Westerfield withdrew. So Whitney Westerfield's not getting any money. Now we know why. Because Daniel Cameron, Mitch McConnell's guy, got into the race with McConnell's blessing, and McConnell was playing hardball to make sure nobody else gets any money. So it just goes to show you, they really don't care about the seat. They want to care about their buddies. At least that's the way I'm interpreting this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't think so. But that's the way it's being interpreted for me right now. So Cameron, Mitch McConnell's buddy, is getting a nod from Mitch McConnell to go ahead with the Attorney General's race. And I promise you, he's going to have as much money as he needs to run for that seat. And yet Whitney Westerfield, who is, to me, by far the more qualified for that seat, who has proven that he's got what it takes to, to win an election. Nobody's ever gotten that close as a Republican at the Attorney General's race like Westerfield did in the last one. <laughs> you know, and, and he withdraws just a, a couple of days after Cameron gets in the race. And oh, by the way, Cameron's lawyer, he, he, he's with the law firm of Frost, Brown, and Todd, right? Uh, but he just happens to be an African-American, right? So this, this is just coincidental. You know, so, so so they're trying to take an insider like Daniel Cameron, in my opinion, who works for Frost, Brown, and Tide, who, as you guys know, I have no respect for, no love lost for whatsoever. We've talked about that many times on this show. And they're using him because he's a black guy. And he doesn't see that. But he doesn't care, right? He's going to get what he wants. And he's going to do exactly what McConnell and Evan tell him to do. So I've got a real problem with all of this, a major problem with all of this, because I cannot understand for the life of me, um, I cannot understand for the life of me why this is going on. I really, really can't. Well, I knew it was a matter of time, but it looks like Mr. McAdam wants to join in. How you doing, sir? What can we do for you? I'm just, just fine, Ed, and uh <clears throat> You're absolutely right, uh, for once. Uh, the for once? <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky has a constitution. 
much second. Can you hear me? Hey, yeah. listen, I, I'm going to. Can you do me a favor and call right back in? I'll put you on the air immediately, but I'm getting like a helicopter chopping sound with your voice right now. Oh, okay. And I don't, and I don't know why. Okay. All right, if you call well, me right back up. I'm in a helicopter, but I'll call you back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll try that again. Something I, I, I don't know, I apologize for that. Maybe it's just me. But uh, we haven't had that happen in quite a while. So, I mean, it, it's probably the damn blog talk radio as usual, but... I want to make sure, um, you know, I want to make sure we can figure it out. But, you know, as I said, and McAdams going to come on. Wow, he said I'm right. That's scary. Um, you know, God don't know where that's going to go. But I don't. But I do think there's no coincidence here. So we're going to continue to try this. You're back with us, Mr. McAdams. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Mr. McAdam, hello. Well, let's try this one. Can you, can you hear me? Are you there, Paul? Yeah, I can hear you. We've still got the same problem, but go ahead. We'll try to we'll try to get through it. It's probably a BTR issue. That's what it's oh, always I'm been. Sorry. No, you're actually clear right there. Go ahead. Well, I just I just want to tell you we're right about. But Kentucky has this this kind of strange thing in its constitution. We have a we have a very liberal constitution, and our constitution says. Uh, in Section 14 of the Bill of Rights, that all courts shall be open, and every person f- for an injury done him in his lands, goods, person, or reputation shall have remedy by due, pro- due course of law and right and justice administration administered without sale, denial, or delay. It's the right of judicial remedy for injury. It, it is it is a very important section in our Constitution, and and so what the the, the case is going up on appeal now is the is the thing about the uh, the um, uh, medical panel review uh, right. like they have in Indiana, and Indiana's right. Constitution doesn't have this provision in it, and so so there's every reason to believe that the Supreme Court's going to throw this law out. But what you have to remember about Bevin is that he's a Republican, and the Republicans right. like tort reform. And let me tell you about tort reform. We've had tort law for a long time in this country, and we inherited it from the common law of England. And it means that if somebody has a duty to somebody else, and they right. they perform that duty negligently, or intentionally misperform the duty, malfeasance and misfeasance, then the person who the duty is owed to has to have a remedy. And the remedy is at law, and the remedy is for compensation for injuries or lost wages or future damages, future medical expenses, whatever. So first of all, there has to be a duty, and second of all, there has to be a, a violation of that duty. So give an example. You're walking down the street, and you see there's a there's a there's a pond, and there's a guy out there, and he's going down for the third time. He can't he can't swim, and he says, "Help, rescue me!" And you say, "Nah, I got my good clothes on. I'm not going to do it, right?" So you let the poor guy drown. Okay. Well, then morally, we we think that that's probably not a good thing for you to do. But legally, right. you have no duty to rescue that person. 
On the other hand, if you're in a swimming pool and you happen to be the lifeguard and I'm out there and I'm going down for the third time and you're busy flirting with some good-looking chick in a bikini, uh, you have violated your duty. You have failed to to, to perform at the duty that you owe to me. And so my my estate, I guess, you know, if I'm not around right. anymore, is, is going to sue you and your employer for wrongful death, for damages. Right. So, Tort reform is always based upon this this idea, and it's a Republican thing. The Democrats are always opposed to tort reform. The trial lawyers are always opposed to tort reform. Of course, that's their bread and butter. You can understand that. The doctors are always in favor of tort reform. And the doctors and the hospitals say malpractice insurance is so expensive that we have to pass on some of that cost to our to our patients. And hospitals say, we can't deliver the, the, the level of care that we would like because we have to pay so much in premiums to malpractice insurance well, because what's the of answer? all these. Well, the answer is, in those states that have had tort reform, like Indiana, and there have been a number of states that have done this, guess what? The malpractice premiums don't go down. The insurance premiums don't go down. The, the cost of hospitalization doesn't go down. It's an absolute fraud. The whole idea is we want to hold them to a standard of care that is reasonable. Now, well, why do you think they don't go down? Oh, listen, nine out of ten lawsuits filed against doctors for malpractice fail. Mm-hmm. Only 10% of them are successful. Same thing for lawsuits against hospitals. It is very now, who hard. Who controls to, that? Well, the, the way the system works is you, you bring the doctor in a court, and you have to have another expert to come in. You have to have a doctor from from Baltimore or New York to come in because the local doctors won't testify against him. And you have to have a doctor come in and tell a jury what this doctor did was so bad that it that it violates but those the costs, basic but those standards costs, of but care. Those costs. But those costs are borne by the plaintiff's attorney in most cases. In most cases, those, these medical the, malpractice the, the suits, average, the, the attorneys do this on contingency, suit, right? The average malpractice suit will cost a lawyer uh, between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars for expenses, and, and right. technically speaking, his his client is supposed to reimburse him for that, but but that never happens because the clients don't have the money. Re- remember, we well, have, we have what's called they reimburse called you, but the they reimburse you if they win. Right, they if reimburse you if they yeah. win. We 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 have a system now, in this country. Uh, the, the the English system is if you lose the case, you have to pay the winner's attorney's fees. Right, uh, and so because of that, you don't have you, you hardly have any malpractice lawsuits in England. Right. Nobody's going to take a chance at, at that. Uh, and right. and so we have the American system where you don't pay the attorney's fees if you lose. And and so the doctors don't like that. No doctor likes to be sued for malpractice. Sure. Nobody, no no professional likes to be told that his standard of care, uh, his performance of his job was was substandard. What was was less than a reasonable person would expect. Mm-hmm. But it does happen. I mean, there are more people killed by doctors in hospitals. Uh, than all the gunshots and drug overdoses and uh, you know illegal aliens and you name right. it automobile accidents together 
the Harvard study says, you know, there, there's something like 150,000 people killed a year because of medical mm-hmm. malpractice. Uh, mm-hmm. The wrong medicine, the wrong diagnosis, the wrong treatment. Here's a way. Here, um, let, me, let, me, let me do a little and, background for my listeners homes, real quick. And nursing homes are a place where it happens a lot because the standard of care in a nursing home is not very high. A nursing home is right. not a hospital. So you don't have the around-the-clock medical care. You've got somebody that's getting minimum wage that comes in and and changes your bedpan and 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 checks on you from time to time but the truth is a nursing home is where we send our people to go to die i mean that's what a nursing home you're not getting nursing home it is it is palliative care it is i'll make you comfortable grandma until you kick the bucket that's what a nursing home so how bad do you think a nursing so how bad do you think a nursing home has to be to to continue getting ratings under the Medicare system, and believe me, the Medicare and Medicaid system is really some of the some of the simplest. Uh, you know, they, they they don't really care about a whole hell of a lot like your major hospitals do. Okay, but you know, to 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 get a much below average and substandard rating uh, consecutively um, from the U.S. Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services. In a nursing home, it's got to be pretty sad, shouldn't it? I mean, I would think so. Well, it has to be bad. What what Medicare and Medicaid look for, and what state regulatory agencies look for, is staffing ratios. Uh, how many right. staff are there per, per per patient? And so when that right. falls below a, a, a reasonable standard, then they get get write ups. And they sometimes right. if there's a, if there's an on site inspection, they get written up for sanitary problems, for food storage mm-hmm. problems, for 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 uh, you know cha- uh, you know people with bed sores. Uh, you know if you've got a if you've got a patient in a nursing home that has bed sores, uh, mm-hmm. somebody has screwed up. Somebody's made a bad mistake. Uh, because they haven't turned right. the person enough, uh, and, and you've had, you know, we all know these horror stories about elderly people laying in bed in their own uh, uh, excrement and and uh, for days without getting any kind of changes, without getting any kind of uh, cleaning. And I had so family forth. members. I had family members who went through that. I'm very of familiar with everybody, that. Work. Every, everybody, it's yeah. not just anecdotal. There, there, there is. There is statistical evidence to show that there is widespread abuse in nursing homes. Now, there are some very fine nursing homes in Kentucky, but they are very expensive. The problem is yeah, the private a nursing state. homes. The Kentucky's a poor state. We don't pay a whole lot of money for uh, Medicaid. Doesn't pay a whole lot of money for nursing homes, and so you know you kind of get what you pay for. And so as long as we're going to be a poor state, and as long as we're not going to make that a uh, as long as the governor is not going to make that a priority thing, uh, it's not going to get any better. And I'm, I'm disappointed in Governor Bevan because I like him, but but I think you're exactly right. I think his his dropping of Janine and picking up this guy as as his uh, running mate for lieutenant governor is a signal that all of a sudden we're going to start being real, real lenient on nursing homes, and we're probably going to have some kind of effort by the Republican majority to to reintroduce some sort of tort, tort reform. Um, well, see, and, I don't think it's just like tort I reform say, because that's part of it. But, but Bevin has made it clear he's going after Medicare and Medicaid. He's done that his whole first term. I actually believe what we've got here is is, is what I call a, a crisis of conscience. I think he wanted Janine Hampton to go out there and push all this garbage that he's trying to do to gut Medicare and Medicaid. 
and she didn't feel comfortable doing it. That's why he brought in Alvarado, who basically is what he does. He does everything he can to protect his own nursing home business. And you notice Janine Hampton didn't have a lot to say the first four years of Bevin's governorship. But you can bet we're going to hear a lot out of Alvarado, and it's all going to be about health care. That's what I think. Well, the, the, you know, the problem Kentucky's got is is we have taxed ourselves to the max. If we raise oh. corporate taxes anymore, if we raise private income tax anymore, we're going to destroy the economy. We've got a high sales right. tax. We've got a high income tax. And so we just don't have any more source of revenue. And there's two great big elephants in the room. One of them is the pension plans for the teachers and the government employees that have been raided for for success. It is not just the Democrats. We'll have to we'll have to give the Republicans some claim on this too. But 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 primarily under Bashir's administration, they raided the pension funds to pay for for Medicaid. Now the other right. elephant in the room besides the pension deficit, which is in the the billions of dollars, is mm-hmm. Medicaid. What 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 Governor uh, Bashir did was he changed the eligibility standards for Medicaid. Instead of say, because Medicaid, though, though it's funded partially by the federal government, it's matched by the state government, and the state government sets the rules. Well, the rules were you had to be poverty level to get Medicaid. Poor, it's a safety right. net. Medicaid's right. not supposed to be Medicare for everybody. It's supposed to be for people that can't afford medical attention. Okay, and what he changed it was to 200 percent of the of the federal poverty level. So all of a sudden, there were twice as many people eligible for Medicaid in Kentucky. And right. the sad reality is, I mean, yeah, sure, that's a great idea, but we just can't afford it. And 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 so he paid for it. Uh, you know, well, we have to have a balanced budget in Kentucky. That's uh-huh. in the Constitution too. So the way he paid for it was to to underappreciate what was what was needed. I mean, you can get an actuary to say anything you pay him to say, and they said, "Well, right. we our pension was not really uh, not really properly funded. We had too much money in the pension, so we can take some of that right. capital out and shift it over to Medicaid." And so right. it's just kicking the can down the road. And so now we've got this problem where we've got broke pensions, and something has to be done about that. And we've got a Medicaid system that is not sustainable. There are too many people on it. Now, what and the two top runners for Democrat, and the two top runners for Democrat in the primary, are Bashir's buddies. One of them is his son, and one of them is his buddy. You've got Adam Elin, who used to be his chief of staff, and his own son, Andy Bashir. And they're going to do nothing more than continue on Bashir's garbage and continue lying. Go ahead. Well, the, the, there's no Democrat that's going to say, "Okay, well, we got too many people on Medicare. We got to we got to cut it back to 100 percent of the poverty level instead of 200 percent." No, no, right. no Democrat's going to do that. And so the Republicans are stuck with the idea of either we've got to cut back on Medicare, Medicaid. I mean, we've got to cut that back on on Medicaid. Or we've got to cut the pensions somehow, or we've got to set up 401k somehow. We've got to right. find a solution. The governor's working on it, but he's working working against. I mean, it's an impossible solution. It cannot be solved. I mean, I, I just it, we've we've dug ourselves into a hole uh, by promising everything for everybody, and you know, and now we've got uh, Kamala Harris is running for president, and she wants <laughs> Medicare for everybody. And free education. Well, great. How about free food? And I'd like a new car. I mean, just absolutely. 
this is the Oprah Winfrey theory of government. You know, everybody Absolutely. gets something free. Everybody gets something and free. Oprah did, and, well, and Oprah didn't pay for that either. All the cars and stuff she gave away. But like she Margaret didn't Thatcher pay for those. Margaret Thatcher says sooner or later you're going to run out of other people's money. <laughs> And, Absolutely. And that's, what that's what we're faced with now. Uh, and, and any politician that says we need to cut back on federal aid to education, we need to cut back on on Medicare and Medicaid, we need to cut back the on, only reason, on. The only reason you've got well, government dollars involved in all that crap right now, anyway, is because they made it unaffordable. They made it unaffordable. When I went to college, when I went to college, I worked two jobs and three jobs most of the time, and I paid for my classes. I paid for my I classes. Too. I had I very, I had very, I had very limited student loans, very limited. I only borrowed what I absolutely had to, but I paid for my classes by working and paying cash. You know, and you could do that then. You can't now. They have made it so no, unaffordable. That's because, that's because well, what happens is, but they made it unaffordable. Is, but they brought government money into it. When the government starts paying that, for it, then the price goes up. Go ahead. This is the thing we've talked about before. It's called surrogate decision-making. When somebody else is paying the bill, you need to go out to a restaurant. Okay, come on, Ed, I'm going to take you to, I'm going to take you to lunch. Pick something on the menu, anything you want, okay? That's what I well, buy maybe steak. You really, maybe you really <laughs> wanted a hamburger, but if McAdams paying for it, you'll probably order a steak, okay? Well, it... That's just human nature, okay? And so when you've got when you've got a third party responsible for paying the bills, then all of a sudden there's no there's no supply and demand relationship between the vendor and the vendee of the service. And so the person goes in the hospital, you go in the hospital and you don't say uh, and they say, well, we've got to do an MRI. Well, how much is that going to cost? Is there a cheaper way to do it? You don't say that. You say, sure, go ahead. My insurance is going to pay for it, right? And and so Absolutely. the hospitals keep keep raising the prices. I mean, hospitals used to be charitable organizations. Do you know that? Hospitals yep. used to be charities. Then none of them are charities anymore. They're making oh. money hand over a fist. The doctors get ten dollars for a damn Tylenol. I could buy a whole bottle for four bucks of Walgreens. Of course, absolutely. Of course. And, and and so and so what happens is it's a conspiracy between the insurance companies and the and the and the hospitals to keep raising the price. Well, the same thing with tuition. As long as somebody else is paying the tuition, then it doesn't matter how much they charge. You charge fifty dollars a semester. Are you? You charge a hundred dollars. A semester are you charge two hundred dollars a semester are who cares I'm, I'm i'm signing a note for it right i'll pay it back later and so these kids are what what what's sad is the kids that that, that for one reason or another have to drop out of school and they're stuck with a hundred grand of uh, of student loans that that they'll never pay and they don't they don't have the degree and they they got to work at a, at a at a at a lower wage job and uh they're absolutely screwed. The system has absolutely screwed these people. Well, if the government is going to pay for the whole thing, the price was – I mean, it's going to be impossible for people to go to college. It is just absolutely. a stupid idea. The, the whole history of democracy, going back to ancient mm-hmm. Greece, the, the, reason, the reason that, that little Jimmy Madison – and he was only five foot two. I mean, he was a little guy. 
but he wrote our Constitution, and he was an absolute genius. He and Alexander, Alexander Hamilton and, Al, and, and John Jay, who was a businessman from New York, right. they sat down and wrote the Constitution, and they had read all about the Greek democracies, and they were afraid of democracy. That's why we set up a republic. You remember, you remember when the, when. Uh, um, uh, Benjamin Franklin comes out of the, the 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 meeting house in Philadelphia, and the woman says, "What what kind of government have you given us?" And he says, "A republic, madam, if you can keep it." If you can okay. keep it, right. If you can keep it, right. Well, they wanted a republic. They didn't want a democracy because the whole history of democracies in ancient Greece and every other country that's had a democracy, is once the people figure out that they can vote themselves money out of the public treasury, the whole thing falls apart. That's what happened in Greece. That's what happened in Rome. I and mean, that's what brought that's Rome what down. Now. It wasn't, it, it wasn't the now. vandals invading. They couldn't right. afford to pay the army anymore because everything right. was free. They had bread, free bread, now. free circuses, and so forth. Well, well, that's what's going to destroy us. If we start giving everything away free, uh, the, the country's going to fail. The country is it going already, to fail. I mean, it, it already is. That's, at, that's why at, you want to continue Venice, allowing. Like Venezuela. Venezuela was the richest country in Latin America. They had more oil yeah. than any part, anybody in this hemisphere. They had a very Absolutely. high standard of living. And then they decided to vote for a socialist government. And now they don't have toilet paper. Now people are fighting over garbage. I mean, it is right. unbelievable. It is a terrible disaster what happened in Venezuela. And look how quickly, and look how quickly they descended into... Very chaos, quick. you know. I mean, it, it, it was literally. It was literally. It seemed like overnight, you know. But I want to get back to Alvarado for a minute because you're right about a lot of this stuff, and this is what concerns me. But Alvarado oversees at least five nursing homes. Um, these nursing homes have racked up over four hundred thousand dollars in fines over the last couple of years. Uh, these were for serious problems. Here's some of those problems: a mass scabies outbreak among the residents. Medication errors, so they're giving people the wrong medicine or over-medicating, and accidental choking deaths. I said deaths with an S, not ending with an H. That means plural. Another example, uh, they were, have been rated so low. They settled a wrongful death lawsuit um, You know, over the 2017 death of one of their residents. Uh, Sheridan Bowling entered the nursing home for physical therapy after an illness. He died 17 days later from a brain bleed that resulted from a fall. Um, they didn't have enough staff there. They kept him drugged up like a zombie. He never started rehab. And when he died, he had all kinds of bruises on his body that nobody could explain. This is the typical stuff. And I want to give credit here to Lexington Herald Leader, because unlike the Courier-Journal, Lexington Herald Leader still does some good reporting. And I want to give them credit, because this is where a lot of this information is coming from. Uh, you know, but these are the kind of things they've got. Uh, reports that these nursing homes under Alvarado's care keep their patients so drugged up on antipsychotic. They, they keep them drugged up so heavy on antipsychotic medication because the staff doesn't want to deal with, with, with their dementia-affected behavior. And I can tell you things like this. Pulmonary aspiration, um, which is inhaling food and water into your lungs. That's another death because you were drugged up so much it did that. Some of these daggone antipsychotic medications they use create a dementia-like state for a lot of these people. Uh, my ex-wife's grandfather was one of those people. 
Um, they put him on some serious stuff that just destroyed him, and he, he died quickly in the nursery home. He wasn't there a couple months. So all of these different things are going on, and this is what Alvarado is in charge of. This is the same guy who's out there fighting for these for these these medical review panels. The same guy who's trying to stop a malpractice lawsuits, and the same guy who is now going to support Governor Matt Bevin as his lieutenant governor, and a fight to basically gut Medicaid, Medicare, whatever. Um, you know, this is disturbing to me. On the flip side of that, you've got Adam Edelin and little Andy Bashir in a Democratic primary for governor. Adam Edelin is running with Gil Holland, who's basically a communist who only cares about one thing, and that's making sure the brown money can, that make, that's making sure the brown money continues so he can continue to be in a you know, well, it's the truth. So, you know, Gil Holland wants to make sure the Brown family money continues so that he can continue getting all his subsidies from the government for the crap he puts together that never makes enough money to pay for itself. So all these things are going on. You know, do I think Governor Matt Bevin has done a great job? I do. I really do. I think he's been one of the best governors we've had in a very long time. But this is the worst decision I think I've ever seen, and I think it's very transparent why this decision was made and what the end result is going to be. And I don't like that. The same thing with Whitney Westerfield I mentioned just a minute ago. Westerfield, of course, uh, barely, I mean, barely lost to Andy Bashir for Attorney General in the last election. And all of a sudden, a couple of days after Ms. McConnell's buddy, Cameron, Daniel Cameron, jumps into the race, who's with Frost, Brown, and Todd, as far as I'm concerned, they're another crooked law firm in Louisville. Uh, you know, like I said, that's my opinion. So Daniel Cameron uh, replaces him. Because Westerfield can't get any money. Because Mr. Connell's keeping all the money and telling everybody they better not give it to him. So he's going to make Frost, sure that Daniel Cameron, his insider, is going to Frost get Brown, the nod. Frost Brown Frost and Todd is a good law firm. Whatever. I expect, you say say I, I expect you to say that. But you know what? <laughs> Cheryl, Snyder, Cheryl Snyder committed perjury, and I will swear to that to the day I'm dead. And he works for Frost Brown and Todd. He lied through and through well, in the Jim Keith case and got nailed, and it let him get away with it. Here's what the problem is. I certainly agree with you on Governor Bevin. I think he has done a good job. But if it's a vote between him, I mean, if the choice is between him and Andy Bershear, I don't care if Bevin gets caught in bed with a dead woman or a live boy. you got to say, you know, neither one of them is perfect, but but which of them is less perfect? You know, I'm disappointed in him in, in dropping her from the from the ticket and and picking up a, a nursing home guy. I'm disappointing in 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 the direction disappointed in the direction that this administration has taken uh, toward protecting the nursing homes because I think there's a lot of nursing home abuse in Kentucky, and I and I think that. Uh, you know, who who is protecting these people in these nursing homes? It has to be the government. It has to be the state inspectors. I mean, yeah, the lawyers come in after the damage is done. I've filed a bunch of lawsuits, against, as you know, against nursing homes. And, and uh, hell, this one in Indiana uh, against Kindred, we, we mediated that thing over a year ago, and they agreed to a settlement figure, a substantial settlement figure, and we still haven't gotten the money because the state of Indiana, the the Medicare people there, are trying to figure out how much of it they're they're entitled to. I mean, it's right. an absolute night. It's an absolute nightmare to file a lawsuit in Indiana because they have the tort reform thing. They right. have a a bureaucracy that's set up that that is a disincentive for lawyers 
to to take cases. And so if the lawyers can't protect people by filing lawsuits, and again, that it's only the threat of lawsuits that protects people. The lawsuit itself is after the fact, after the damage is done, after grandma's dead, you know, she's she was murdered in a nursing home and yeah, you get you get some money from for for your pain and suffering, but but what the hell does that do? It doesn't bring grandma back. The ultimate protection against against nursing home abuse has to be the state inspectors. It has to be the standards that are set by the state, which are not unrealistic, and they have to be enforced. And if you water those down, if you make it more difficult to sue, then there's then there's less incentive upon the uh, the, the the people that run these nursing homes. These are not charitable organizations. These are for-profit organizations. They're making money, and, and right. they want to make more money. They want to right. they want to satisfy their shareholders, and so if they can do that by providing a, a, a kind of a lower standard of care, then by God, that's what they're going to do. That's just the way the world works. And so to keep them right. on their toes, we need a state government that is interested in protecting the, the helpless people, the people that can't <laughs> right. help themselves. I'm talking about old people that have that have worked hard all their lives and raised their families and sent their kids to school and paid off their mortgages and all this other stuff and and and, th- and they ought to have a little bit of dignity in their in their retiring years and instead we 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 treat them like like cattle we we put them in these these pig pens and that's what I call these nursing homes and and we uh, abuse them not just mistreat them not just ignore them we abuse Well, I agree with you. We we, we do abuse them. Um, and that for goes some all reason, the way up to the government. There you go. Yep, I tell you, we, we do abuse them. You know, and, and the thing is, though, we're not going to get any better. I mean, I, I keep looking at all these retreads. Um, I keep looking at all these retreads that are running for office now. You know, when we look at the Democratic Party for governor, Andy Bashir, Adam Elin, the communist socialist progressive regime to continue the legacy of Steve Bashir, which destroyed the state. You know, you look at the uh, Attorney General, Greg Snubbo, uh, you know, has filed. Uh, I just looked up on the, on the site while you were talking. Uh, Greg Snubbo has filed. He's the only Democrat who has filed for Attorney General. I mean, this guy didn't do anything the first time he was Attorney General. He spent his entire four years doing nothing but suing Ernie Fletcher. The same thing that Andy Bashir has been doing to Matt Bevin. You know, there's, there's no desire to do anything right. Uh, then we look at the Secretary of State's race. Allison Lundgren Grimes, of course, has decided she's not going to run uh, for for any for any office. Um, I wonder why. You know, well, gee, I wonder why too. She's under investigation right now. You know, of course, she's acting like, well, I just had a baby and I want to spend time with my family, and, and I hope that that's the truth. I mean, I do know her and her husband were were trying for a long time to have kids, and you know, congratulations to both of them. By the way, I'm not a hateful son of a buck. I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful. Oh, I am. You know, I am. Well, I'm not. The apple don't fall very far from the tree. She's Jerry. Lundin's well, that's true. Daughter. That's true. Well, that's true. But when you but when you look at the family dynamic, though, the fact that they were able to have a kid after having such a struggle to have one, I'm I'm very happy for them. I mean, I I would be happy for anybody in that situation who really wanted kids. Now, as an adult, as, as a political leader, and all the other stuff, I think she's a piece of garbage. She is the apple from the tree with Jerry Lundin and Grimes. That doesn't mean that I wish hateful stuff on her family. Um, you know, so there's a big thing there. So now, because we don't have Allison Lennon and Grimes running for anything, 
Now we get another retread running for office. Former Miss America, Heather French Henry. You oh, know, everybody beautiful. remembers. She is a lovely woman, and I would vote for her for anything. She's in jail. I mean, she should be in jail. Seriously. I wouldn't vote for Heather French Henry care. for anything. I, I do. don't care. Beauty, I don't beauty, Trump, beauty trumps everything, Ed. Okay, so if you're black, you have to vote for Obama. If you're a feminist, you have to vote for Hillary. If you're pretty, you got to vote for Heather. I mean, I could care less about that. Give me somebody, give me somebody short, fat, and ugly that has half a brain. They got my vote because they got a brain. That's what we need. You know, but seriously though, I mean, let's look at this. Let's look at this Henry saga, right? Steve Henry, of course, was great friends with Heather's mom and dad. Steve Henry used to change her diaper, so he was essentially a pedophile until she got old enough to marry. Um, you know, so he married so he married somebody who used to change her diapers, right? That tells me he's a sick son of a bitch. Steve Henry gets in all kinds of trouble for Medicare fraud. Then he gets in all kinds of trouble for, for election finance violations. Uh, his wife, of course, is a stand-by-her-man thing who decides she wants to drive around and hits a guy on a bike and kills him, but gets away with that. Um, you know, she gets away with that. Why did she get away with that? If it was me and you, we wouldn't have gotten away with that. You know, but she's a pretty Democrat, so we're going to put her up knowing that she's going to win because of that. I hope she gets her ass handed to her in a bucket. I really, really do. I don't think yeah, she's hard, qualified yeah, to do case, anything. Ed, I'm a hard case. case. I'm a hard case because I'm tired of this kind of insider bullshit going on. And all these people are trying to get into office for us to protect the status quo. Allison Lundigan Grimes is under investigation and in big trouble for going into the voting system to use it against her political foes. Greg Stumbo, come on, enough said about him. He should be in jail and should have been indicted for all the money he was stealing from the legislature to take care of private roads and everything else that he was doing. All right? All those things add up. You know, all of these things drive me nuts. I'm sick of seeing the same old retreads. This is the problem with the Democratic Party. You know, I was a Democrat at one time. I left the party many years ago because the party left me. They were going so far down this road 15 years ago, there was no way I could stay a Democrat. Yes, you give people a hand up. You do. You help them. You help as many people as you can. But you don't give everybody free stuff or promise stuff you can't do so that you're the only one that benefits from it. That's not right. And that's the problem with the Democratic Party. They've gotten so along the road in this socialist, progressive, communist regime. You know, and everybody talks about Heather French Henry. Oh, she does so much for veterans. She's so sweet. Well, I'm a veteran. She ain't done shit for me. Spare me that logic. Okay? These are the things that disturb me. So we're looking at all of these things, and I'm looking at all of these retreads, and i got to be honest with you, I'm very disturbed by it. You know, and here's some more here's some more things I want the Democrats to answer for. Right now I want an answer for Trump on one of them, but we'll get to that in a minute. All right? 800,000 federal employees were supposedly furloughed, right? They were off for over 30 days because of the government shutdown. Now everybody wants to assume that 800,000 federal employees missed a month's worth of paychecks. That's not true, folks. They missed one paycheck, the last one. And they're getting that back right away because Trump reopened the government for three weeks. But I'm curious about something. For the 30 days that these 800,000 people were, were, were supposedly furloughed, 500,000 of them continued working. They were required to continue working. Now, understand, 800,000 people lost the last paycheck. 
but only 300,000 people lost a paycheck. Those 300,000 people essentially got a two-week paid vacation on your tax dollars, and the other 500,000 people don't. Are we going to give those other 500,000 people an extra two-week paid vacation this year to make up for their sacrifice? If not, why aren't the unions doing something about that? Why aren't the unions promoting fairness, right? See, that's the hypocrisy that I deal with every day. It, it drives me nuts. I just laugh my ass off at it. It drives me nuts. So 300,000 people got an extra vacation. The other 500,000 didn't. So, they, so the other 500,000 paid for the 300,000 not to do anything. Think about that logic for a minute. And finally, just two more real quick things. This Nathan Phillips, everybody has talked about him. This is the, this is the so-called Indian who was attacked by the, the, the Covington Catholic High School guys. All right, we now find out what a piece of crap he is. He was in the Marine Corps two years as a reservist, two years as active duty. The whole time he was in, he was a refrigerator mechanic, except for the first couple of months. And then they moved him to basically become a refrigeration mechanic because he couldn't do anything. He went AWOL at least three times during that period. He was arrested for assault and all kinds of stuff multiple times. Had a drinking problem. And this guy supposedly is a salt of the earth and a Vietnam-era veteran who says when he got back from Vietnam, he was spit on by everybody and, and all this other crap that happened to real veterans, not to him. All right, so this guy's whole life has been a lie, violent, and abusive. And everybody was quick to jump on the Covington Catholic kids. So I want everybody to look him up, Nathan Phillips, read the stories. And finally, Tom, I want your opinion on this, because this is one of the most disturbing things I think I've seen since last week's show. On Friday, Roger Stone, everybody knows who Roger Stone is, friend of Trump, media, all kinds of other stuff, right? Has never had a criminal record in his life, doesn't own a gun, passport is expired, <laughs> and Robert Mueller decides to basically arrest him for leaking and lying to lying to the FBI about leaking information. So what do they do? They send a 29-member FBI strike force and SWAT gear with assault rifles and night vision goggles to his home, an FBI helicopter overhead of his home, two 20-foot FBI votes, boats uh, securing the dock in his backyard. His whole home is surrounded by all of this crap. All right, It's twice the size of the task force that we used to go after bin Laden. And oh, by the way, CNN was allowed to come through the police tape and everything else. The street was closed by the FBI, but miraculously, CNN happened to be on the scene and were able to get there and put all this stuff on TV. The judge let him go on his own recognizance, awaiting trial and stuff. They didn't even require him to propose bail. But how in the hell do you justify 29-member FBI strike forces swipe gear, an FBI helicopter, two 20-foot boats, and a national news crew? Who leaked to CNN? Isn't that the same thing they accused Roger Stone of doing, was leaking information that he supposedly got from WikiLeaks, which was a basis part of partial indictment? And yet the FBI is able to leak to CNN and put this out there like that? 
And they put him through a 66-year-old guy who's no threat? You can't blame this on the FBI. This this whole thing was orchestrated by the by the Justice Department and actually by the special counsel. This was Mueller. The FBI can't make that decision. Uh, they they follow orders, and so it was I get Mueller. That. But how does how was Mueller, Mueller able to justify this, this whole this whole Hollywood scene was staged by Mueller? And what it tells me is he doesn't have a case against Donald Trump. And so he has to make this look like, uh, you know, the attack on Waco or, or Ruby Ridge or something. He has to has to make this look as dramatic as possible. And he has all of these phony charges against. Uh, I mean, good lord! If they started indicting people that lied to the Congress, <laughs> there wouldn't be a Democrat walking the street. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, I mean Hillary Clinton. Are, Hillary Clinton destroyed evidence the, after after it was ordered by a judge well, of course, to preserve of course. the evidence. She lied of to Congress. Course. She lied to the FBI. She was allowed to have counsel with her requested by the FBI, the same I'm counsel not, who just happened to be under FBI investigation as well. There was never so much as a raid on her home. Not, they gave her warning you know, this, and ample time a, to cleanse her computers. That's what I'm saying. How do you justify this? This is the same stuff they did with 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 Scooter Libby and and a whole bunch of other people. They 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 make up these phony charges. It's going to cost so much money to defend yourself. You end up. I mean, your attorney just tells you, you know, unless you can come up with a million bucks, you're going to have to cop a plea to one of these lesser charges. And, right. and so they end up getting convictions of, of what are essentially process crimes, and that is there, there's no underlying illegal behavior. There's nothing that Roger Stone did or has even been accused of doing that was against the law. What what he's accused of doing is is misremembering things in his testimony before Congress and, and stating things to the FBI that that weren't exactly true. One of the things they asked him about was he had heard somebody tell about a telephone conversation that he wasn't a party to. What do you remember about that? Right. Well, so-and-so told me such and such about the telephone call. Well, come to find out that wasn't what the telephone call was about. So they got him for lying. Well, you know, he he said that he didn't know. It was just something that somebody else told him. This whole thing is never going to amount to anything. It it right. is an, it is an indication to me that 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 Robert Mueller is is getting desperate. He knows he's at the end of his tether. He knows that people are getting tired of this witch hunt, and he knows that he doesn't have anything at all, not one scintilla of evidence to show that that. President Trump or anybody in his campaign colluded mm-hmm. with the Russians to fix the, elect, the election. The only fixing that went on was was uh, Hillary Clinton when she cheated her way to get the nomination. And and when, right. when I mean this this whole thing the 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 Steele dossier was was bought and paid for by Hillary's people to start off with. This whole thing has been a monstrous scam on the American public. It's taken two years How in the and hell? millions of dollars of legal. I mean, it's great for the legal profession. A lot of lawyers are going to retire off of this case. But a lot right. of innocent people have been smeared, and a lot of good people that that might be interested in participating in government have been shown a lesson. You've got to be crazy to run for public office. You've got to be crazy to work in a federal administration. You've got to – your whole life is going to be destroyed by your enemies if you get anywhere close to the White House. And so, you know, is that a good thing for our country? I don't know. I don't think it is. 
I don't either. I mean, the, the, the thing that stirs me about all of this, for the most part, is just the, the, the Gestapo tactics of it. How do we justify no, yeah. something like this against a 66-year-old man who is no threat whatsoever? And we do this in every situation. We did the same thing with Manafort, the same thing with Cohen, and everything else. They would do the, the same, same well. With, they would. They, the same our bodies would have never made it out of the house. Alice. Alien Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that was, was under Bill Clinton. To get that little boy. Yeah. That was under Bill Clinton. I mean, you know. So, I yeah, know. I mean, I get all that. And, and I don't get that. That that applies to everybody except the Clintons and anybody they're associated with. I mean, that's what disturbs the hell out of me. i got to bring Mayo in real quick. He's buzzing in real late. How are you, Mayo? What's going on? Well, now, Mayo. Just wanted to, on the, uh, on the uh, Covington deal. There's a whole yeah. the whole two hour video from the uh, what, are the what are they called the Black Israelites, and it yeah. shows that they did not inv- instigate anything because all CNN what? or whoever broke the story showed was six seconds of video. I'm gonna mute myself and let let you all comment on that. Oh yeah, well we saw we saw it last week. I uh, you know it, it, it is fascinating because you know it wasn't just a six seconds of video. The the whole thing was actually started by the Black Israelites. You know, by the black Israelites, they, uh, you know, started, you know, the racist chants and everything else and threatening these kids and stuff. And these kids never said a word to them before Nathan Phillips jumped in. So, you know, all of this stuff is on video. We now have a clear picture of what's been going on. We mentioned it last week. I just wanted to give you an update on it tonight. That's why I didn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, but it is time to wrap. I appreciate the phone calls, Mr. McAdam. And thank you, Mayo, for, for a quick call. You know, I've got some major problems here. I've got a problem with Matt Bevin getting rid of Janine Hampton and bringing in this Mr. Alvarado, State Senator Alvarado. It disturbs me a great deal because this guy clearly isn't doing the job that he's got now well in the private sector. His nursing homes consistently are below average or much below average with plenty of deaths and plenty of unexplained uh, incidents at the nursing homes continuing to get fined and everything else. He is he is trying to stop litigation for medical malpractice, which I don't think is right. One thing McAdam didn't mention to you, and I, and I know, you know he mentioned Indiana a couple of times, you know, what he would love, what Alvarado would love in Kentucky is the same thing that Indiana does. In Indiana, you can bring medical malpractice claims. And if you win, you'll get your actual damages. So if your actual damages are, let's say, half a million dollars, $500,000, You'll get your $500,000 for your actual damages. But if the jury awards punitive damages, let's say the jury awards 10 times that for punitive damages and awards $5 million for punitive damages, you don't get any of that. The government, the state of Indiana, keeps all punitive damages. So where you can get actual damages, the employer is not really harmed so much by the punitive damages. Because the punitive damages are awarded to the state, the plaintiff or the person who was actually harmed has no right to those at all. Now, what do you think the state is going to do? Huh? The defendant is going to appeal the award right out of the gate. They're going to try to appeal it, so the state is going to make a deal and a settlement on the punitive damages. That's exactly it. So the punitive damages might amount to $5 million, like I said. Well, say the state decides they're going to go ahead and make a deal where we're only going to take a million dollars in punitive damages. And that company is so grateful, they decide they're going to give out, oh, I don't know, political contributions to the status quo who saved them $4 million. Think about that. That's disturbing as well. 
for me personally, I'm sick of, uh, of what is already shaping up in this year's election on both sides of the coin. Adam Elin and Andy Bashir to me, have no business being in the governor's mansion. I will vote for Governor Bevin for, for, for governor at this point. Uh, I won't hesitate to do so. But I will do it holding my nose because he dropped Janine Hampton. At the end of the day, the lieutenant governor is essentially a figurehead unless something happens to the governor. My greatest fear is that, that Matt Bevin is going to decide during this next term as governor, if he were fortunate enough to win re-election, is going to decide to try to run for a higher office, a federal office, if you will, a John Yarmuth office, if you will, or maybe even a Mitch McConnell office if Mitch McConnell decides to resign or retire. Who knows? But if he does, then he would have to give up the governorship to do it, which means Alvarado would become governor. And that bothers me a great deal right now. I know there's a hell of a lot of people out there on, on the liberal side and the Democrat side who hate my guts and thinks I'm a partisan guy. Fair enough. Be what you want to be. But it doesn't mean what you think it means. I am actually very bipartisan. I call stupidity out no matter who it is whether it's Mitch McConnell, whether it's Matt Bevin, or whether it's anybody else. I call them all out. And the reality is, I am disturbed by this choice by Matt Bevin. The other reality is, I'm disturbed that Whitney Westerfield decided to drop out because Mitch McConnell pressured him. I know they'll deny it, and they'll accuse me of libel and all the other crap they want to accuse me of. But I'm telling you, folks, in my opinion, and my gut tells me, Westerfield dropped out because he was pressured to drop out so the camera could come in from Frost, Brown, and Tide right here in Louisville, Mr. McConnell's buddy, and they're going to try to get him elected to attorney general so no harm, no foul, and the status quo continues. I don't expect Cameron will push too much against Democrats or anything else in this state like we need right now because Mr. McConnell don't really want that to happen. He's part of that elite crowd. That elite crowd includes both Democrats and Republicans. So the next best thing would be the Attorney General's office. We really need that. Westerfield has dropped out. Greg Stumble should be a non-starter. So we're going to be pretty much stuck with Cameron. And if we're going to be stuck with Cameron, maybe, just maybe, we can force him to do his job the right way, since no Democrat in that office for at least the last 20 years I can remember has bothered to do the Attorney General's job the way it was intended. And finally... Heather French Henry, would you please go away? I'm serious. Her name comes up every election cycle is possibly running for this or possibly running for that. And it never develops. But see, they think they've got this pretty little girl. And she is a little girl. All right. I mean, at least it's Steve Bashir, who's old enough to be her daddy and then some. You should change her diapers from what I understand. Okay. But Heather French Henry has never accomplished anything. She was Miss America. What's your number one priority? If you were to become Miss America, world peace, I want world peace. You know, the same standard answer every airhead gives you. I don't think Heather French Henry is very smart. I don't think she's made smart decisions. I think that she has been given a relatively easy ride her whole life, hasn't really had to do a whole lot or pay the price for a whole lot, including... Killing a bicyclist. Now, a lot of people have, you know, on both sides of the fence on that. I get it. You know, if it was an accident, it was an accident. 
All right, I get that too. But there's a family grieving because of her accident, because of her accident, an accident that, in many people's opinion, could probably have been avoided, including mine, based on what limited information we were given at the time. You know, I don't think Heather French Henry needs to be at office. I think she needs to be at home practicing, changing her husband Steve Henry's diapers, because in the next few years he's going to be in a nursing home unless she's going to take care of him at home. So she might as well get used to that now. Then maybe she'll see what everybody else goes through. Um, you know, in the meantime, we're seeing a Gestapo in action with Roger Stone, a travesty to be sure. And one of the biggest things that I'm upset right now about President Trump. Oh, my God, y'all didn't expect that, did you? President Trump reopened the government for three weeks. He essentially called Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's bluff. Pelosi and Schumer both told him that if you reopen the government and stop the shutdown, then we'll talk about the border wall. Well, he did that. And guess what? They're still refusing to talk about the border wall. No big surprise. I was shocked that President Trump backed down. I understand why he did it. I don't agree with him doing it, but I understand why he did it. And uh, at least, at the very least, he's eliminated any more excuses from these two clowns. You know, but it, but it is disturbing to see how, once again, they got what they wanted. And, oh, by the way, the State of the Union, it was supposed to go on tomorrow night, that Nancy Pelosi canceled for the first time in history because she could, uh, you know, in her, in her temper tantrum, I'm a two-year-old crybaby way, is now scheduled for next Tuesday, February the 5th. So, President Trump, here's what I'd like to tell you now. See, they want this thing next Tuesday because every president always sends them an advanced copy of their State of the Union speech, and that's how they're able to get on TV five minutes after you get done and give the so-called rebuttal. Because they've already went through your prepared speech. So they've got a rebuttal plan, so they either listen to you or they don't listen to you during the real State of the Union. And we know that most of the time they don't listen. They're sitting in their seats talking to their family and friends, screwing around, because, let's be frank, nobody wants to sit through that boring stuff. I only listen to it because I have to, and I usually do that on YouTube. Um, after the fact, by the way, not before, so I can fast forward. But at the end of the day, do us all a favor. Don't give them an advanced copy of your speech. Don't do it. Don't give them an advanced copy. Let's let them put somebody up there to do a rebuttal that's quick on their feet, and we can see a real response instead of a canned response. Let's see how they really react under pressure. That at least would be fun for us who had to sit through this crap for the last couple of weeks and we're going to have to sit through this farce next Tuesday we call a State of the Union. So don't send them an advanced copy. Don't give them a copy of it. Let them hear it when we do. If you do that, hey, all might be forgiven. In the meantime, folks, that's it for this week. We thank you so much for being here. I did get a message from Ed Martin texted to me during the show that he uh, is on a business trip in Pennsylvania. Um, he does have that happen sometimes at the last minute. So he had to take care of business, and that's why he didn't join us tonight. Uh, for Mr. McAdam, Mr. Mayo, we appreciate your calls as always. And for the rest of you guys, we'll return next Monday at 7 o'clock for the next edition of the Ed Springston Show. Join us if you can. Martin should be back. We're going to have a lot of fun with him. In the meantime, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone. 
And then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.